If you are a uh, visitor, we are glad that you are here. I'm going to share with you our approach to the scripture. One thing you're going to see this morning uh, is I'm going to circle up and underline scripture. The reason why I do that is because I want to be sure that we all know what I'm saying from this platform is from the word of God. Basically, what we're having this morning is one big Bible study together. And we're going to go through the word of God and try to figure out the heart of God that's in his word. Now, there are sometimes we'll go through books. There are sometimes we'll go through a topic. And if we go through a topic, like I did on forgiveness, even then, we will still break apart the word of God. And just because it's topical doesn't mean it's not exegetical. We will still take apart the word of God to see what the heart of God is. This morning, I'm just going to be honest, it's not going to be this hoorah, let's leave and take on the world kind of sermon this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to go from Jude, verse 8 through 16. And, and if you've never read Jude, let me break it down for you why this is so important for our church today. Um, because Jude is exposing uh, false teachers in the church. He's exposing the people that have come in the church and love to cause division. The people that come in the church and begin to use the church as their own platform to build their own kingdom. They begin to come in churches and divide what God is building. The great news about this is that no one uh, in biblical history has ever overpowered God in his church. There has been attempts, there has been huddles, there have been cohorts. Uh, but no one has overthrown ever and will never overthrow God's church. This morning, as we take a look at the book of Jude, these false teachers were coming in and they were redefining truth. They were redefining God's truth and they were um, having others follow them. And you may ask, why is this pertinent today? Why is this important for us today? Here's why it's key today. Because we live in a culture today where we value charisma over content. We value charisma over content. If we are not careful, we will be enamored by a person's charisma on a platform and we will fail to be reminded that the content they are teaching is not necessarily true. That's one of the reasons why um, I always circle the Bible so you'll know we're teaching straight out of the Word of God. When you follow people who have charisma with no content, they lead you to inspiration and you are inspired. The problem with inspiration is that it's done on Monday morning. The Word of God leads you to transformation, which is eternal. The inspiration is behavior modification. The Word of God, it's heart transformation. There's a big difference here in our culture. We have to be very, very careful. And this is what was happening in the book of Jude. So Jude has come on. He has exposed that it's happening in the church. And this is why it's dangerous, by the way, because in the church, it's hard to detect when people are these kinds of divisive people. Typically, they have a lot of charisma. They're very kind. They're very loving. He, sa he says that they crept in the church, meaning they were hard to detect. You wouldn't see them and recognize that these are people who are causing great division. So I want you to listen because this is really important for several things. Number one, if you are in here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you even today you have to be careful with whether this church or any other church. And I'll have, uh, you have to be careful with those that come in the church, gain a cohort and divide the church. 
It happens all across churches today, and you're going to see why in Jude begins to expose the personality of this person. How do you know if this person is real or this person is fake? Here's how you know. If you want to know if someone or something is fake, study the real. When you study the real, you recognize the fake. When you study the real, you recognize the fake. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to study the real and it's an expose the fake because they're hard to detect. So let's take a look at your Bibles. Going to come all out of the Word of God and we will be done. Here we go. Verse 8 says, Yet in like manner these people, again, speaking about the people in the church that are coming in with a certain agenda. He says, these people also relying on their dreams. What this means is that the people that come in their church, the church, begin to divide the church. Their main authority is anything but God. They may be using the word of God, but they're not submitting to the word of God. It's amazing today how you can have Christians who teach the word of God, but don't submit to the word of God. You can have Christians who even teach the Word of God, but don't submit to the Word of God. Therefore, they don't live out the Word of God. He's saying these people were like that. Their authority was on their dreams. So, let's pack this apart for a moment. Here's what they would do. They would have a dream and they would think, was that God? Have you ever done that before? You ever had a dream was like, was that God? You're like, it's happened over and over and over. Was that God? Does God speak in dreams? Let me ask you this. Does God speak through dreams today? Can God speak through dreams? God can do whatever he wants to do. Anytime someone asks the question, can God? The answer is like, God can do whatever he wants to do. These people were having some whacked out dreams. and They were saying, that is my authority. Here's the thing. If you are having dreams, I, I, I've never personally had God speak to me in a dream. Um, but if you are having dreams, you're wondering, is it God? The best thing I can tell you is align whatever it is. If you're asking, is it God? Align it with the word and character of God. Always align it with the word and character of God. I've had some crazy dreams that are not my authority. I had a dream about two weeks ago that um, I was playing uh, in the NBA. And I was like, this is amazing. I knew I was supposed to be here. And then I woke up and then got out of bed, like barely making it. Like, what? Pulled a hamstring getting out of bed. Like, you just can't rely on your dreams. Then I had, I had a dream last week. Let me, let me, listen, I don't, don't send me an email for marriage counseling. Don't be like, I'm praying for you. Here's what happened. In my dream, I got in a fight with my wife. Well, you say, wow, like, yeah, I ain't never got in a fight. In my dream, some of you are like, wow, they get in a fight? We get in a fight sometimes. In my dream, listen to this, we got in a fight. And I have to admit, I was the jerk in the dream. It was my fault. And so I woke up and it was one of those dreams like, man, unlike the NBA basketball dream, I'm glad this one wasn't real. And I said, honey, I got to tell you about my dream. And I'm thinking, it's just a dream. It was all a dream. So I tell her about it. And then she gets mad. She gets mad. And I'm like, what are you, what are you mad for? Is that how you talk, spoke to me in your dream? I'm like, yeah, but I had no control over my dream. And I'm not even kidding. It's like the next day, just silence. 
I, I forgot. I'm like, how in the world am I in trouble for a dream that I had that wasn't even true? Like, I don't get it. But I was in trouble. Still am in trouble for talking back to her in my dream. You know you have had some whacked out dreams. And, and Drew just saying, listen, these people are having some whacked out dreams and they're acting on these dreams as if it's the authority of their lives. They're, they're taking anything and everything and making it the authority for which they respond to. And then it says this, they, how do you know? Because people will say God's their authority, but they will respond like something else is their authority. So then they say they defiled the flesh. These are the people in the church who are leaders, what Jude is saying, that come in and may be preaching God, but when you look at their life, they're not living for God. This comes out in many ways. Jude says it comes out in sexuality, that they may be leaders in the church, but they are not practicing a pure and holy life. Doesn't mean perfection, but it means a pursuit. Doesn't mean perfection, but it means a pursuit. And then you have the people that, that come into church, you'll see in just a minute, they defile the flesh. Then here's what they do. They reject authority. Here's what you'll see in the book of Jude, which is crazy because it rings true today in churches. If you've been part of church long enough, you will see this. The people that come into church and cause division reject authority. People, here's what I've recognized. The only people who reject authority are the ones who want to be in authority. People who reject authority are the ones who want to be in authority. And so, if and look, if you're a leader in here today and you lead any kind of organization, you will recognize if you get enough employees underneath you, one or two, three or four are going to reject your vision, your leadership, and where you are leading the organization. Why do they, why are they so hard to lead? Because they want to be the leader. And so what I've always tried to live by is be the kind of follower you would want to lead and be the kind of leader you would want to follow. That's what you have to do. Some people want to lead before they've ever followed. And I'll tell you, you'll have a hard time leading if you, know, if you didn't know how to follow. And so these people here, why did they reject the authority? Because they were arrogant and they thought they could do it better. They were arrogant and they thought they could do it better. So they rejected the authority. So you have these people in this time that came in the church and began to build this cohort. And they would reject the authority that God had placed in the church. So God placed the authority in the church. These people created a cohort and began to cause divisiveness against that authority in the church. What else do they do? They blasphemed the glorious ones. This word glorious ones in the, in the, in the original language, all it means was those that were in charge. So they created a cohort in the church, began, it, began to plant seeds of division. Here's typically what that would look like maybe in today's world. And let me just tell you, this doesn't happen in our church. It happens in my friends' churches. They told me this actually happens, but it didn't happen here. Joking. So, here's, here's what they would do. They would come in, and they'd see the authority, and they would think, I can do it better. We could teach better. We could lead better. We can have a better vision. We can do this better. And they would reject the authority. Then, here's what they would do. They would begin to plant seeds in their followers' heads. Watch this. Because it's going, listen, I'm telling you, it's going to happen to you. You have to be careful who you are following. On social media, be careful who's planting seeds in your mind. Be careful because the enemy wants to plant seeds in your mind that will produce fruit in your actions. The enemy wants to plant seeds in your mind that will produce fruit in your actions. So he is saying, be careful who you are following. 
And he's saying, these people, here's how you would know, they want to be the authority. They may, they may be leading in the church. They may be church leaders. These were church leaders, by the way. These were church teachers. And he is saying, be careful for church teachers who are living this way, not by what they say, but what they do. They're going to reject authority. Be careful if you are following a church leader who is loving to create a cohort and reject authority. Be careful if you are following a church leader who is going to blaspheme church leadership, deacons, elders, pastors. Be careful for those people because godly people handle issues in a biblical way. Godly people take the issues to the issues. These people were not doing that. They were creating a cohort of division. So he says, be careful for these people. Then he says this, when you take a look at Jude, verse 9, watch this. He then gives two spiritual elements. I want to share with you something about Michael the archangel, which is really important for us to understand today. Sometimes we can forget that they're actually uh, spiritual unseen principalities of this world. There's spiritual warfare. There's oppression. There's all this demonic stuff going on. Uh, but we have to also be reminded of um, God's power and God's might and God's sovereignty. So watch this. He goes into an example in verse 9. He says, but when the archangel Michael... Uh, this word archangel, all it mean, means is lead angel. So you have Michael, who is a lead angel for God, for the faithful side. Um, this word, uh, when you see Michael, you will see him every time in Scripture he wanted to go to battle. He was always fighting. Uh, Michael was the friend who always wanted to smoke. He wanted to get in a fight. And what Michael would do on God's behalf is he was so protective of um, the body of Christ and the word of God and the truth of God. And so you have this righteous fighting that Michael had, and he went to battle fighting for the things of God, the, the, the word of God. And it says he contended, he fought, he battled with who? With the devil. Now, I want to show you Michael the angel is the lead angel for God. The devil is the lead angel for the fallen angels. So now you have Michael, who is the lead angel for all of God's angels. And then you have the devil, who is the lead angel for all the fallen angels. And these two are going to battle. And I want you to see something about the fight that's taking place because he uses this as an example to let us know how we're supposed to fight when we come across people who are trying to cause division. This is going to be true in the church, and it's going to be true in your life. In your life, you know what this is like. You will have Christians who love to cause conflict. It's amazing how many Christians want to get their identity by raising conflict and being divisive. In your life, you will have conflict with other Christians. And so this is going to inform us how do you respond when conflict arises in your workplace, in the school, in your family. How do you fight a godly fight? Number one, we see that he contended, which is this. I will tell you today, church, you have the right unapologetically to stand on biblical truth. You have a right unapologetically, like I said before, don't be a jerk for Jesus, but you have the right to stand on truth. Number one. Number two, you have the right to fight against divisiveness. In this church or anywhere else, if, if the enemy is working, you have the right as a follower of Jesus Christ to protect his bride. You don't need anybody's permission to protect the bride of Christ. 
Now, here's what they were doing. Satan and Michael were fighting over what? They were disputing about the body of Moses. Now, I'm going to unpack this very quickly. Um, Jude uses this, but this is not the biblical point he's trying to make, but it's in the text, so we're going to unpack it. So scholars don't really know what this means and why Jude put it in the Bible. Here's what they believe, that um, Satan wanted potentially the body of Moses when Moses died so that he can use the body of Moses to lead the Israelites astray. So he thought this is kind of one of the things he can use as a false teacher to some degree, use Moses who's so respected and to get Israelites to stop following God and follow Moses through the devil's leading. Some people believe that the devil was like, hey, Moses killed an Egyptian, so I'm going to take him out. Uh, some people believe that uh, they're just these, all these school of thoughts that um, he wanted to thwart the plan of God. There's a lot of school of beliefs, but nonetheless, the point of this text in verse 9 is this, that it says that Michael, when contending with the devil, disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. So um, it says that when Michael fought with the devil, that he didn't come using these words to in slander to the devil to defend himself. How did Michael fight against the devil? He fought a fight that's, uh, that guarantees victory. He fought a fight that guarantees victory. If you want to fight a fight that guarantees victory, um, I would say it's not by lifting your own fist. It's not by jumping on social media. It's not by, you fill in the blank. If you want to fight a fight that guarantees victory, here's how you do it. Michael the angel said this, the Lord rebuke you. What did he do? He hid behind the authority of the Lord, the creator. He hid behind the authority of the all-powerful God. If you want to fight a fight that guarantees victory, fight a fight where God's in a proper seat of authority. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, you will have things go on and people will say things about you that is absolutely not true. You will have people criticize you. You will have people in your workplace, in your school, in your own family, in your small group, in the church, because this is how broken people are. They love to fight. You will have things that are that said about you that are not true. You will see passive-aggressive emails. You will see passive-aggressive social media posts. People will say things about you that's not true. People will say that you said things that you didn't actually say, and you're going to want to raise your fist. Here you're going to want to jump on. So I cannot tell you I don't have social media anymore because I fasted from it and I never went back to it. But I remember there were times where I was so frustrated with things that I heard about myself that wasn't true. I jump on social media and I was like, they want the smoke? Pastor Noe about to give them the smoke. And so I started <laughs> typing up and I was like, honey, how does this sound? Is this good? Is it getting my point across? And I didn't say any names, but they know who they are. Is this good, honey? I even use the scripture for it, sweetheart. Is that good that I use God's word to fight against another child of God? Is that good, honey? Is that good? I even use the Greek. And I put some Spanish stuff in there too. No me importa. No me importa. Thankfully, thankfully I have a godly wife who wasn't like, yeah, give them the smoke, baby. You tell them we... I'm just playing, God. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Um, 
I kind of felt like I got a little scared right there. (laughs) But I didn't do it. I remember my wife said, honey, that's not how we fight our fights. Keep your hands clean, lead well, and let God fight the fight. Let God speak for you. Let God protect you. Let God. And let me just tell you, every single day, it's just the way I'm wired. I am wired through my life experiences to learn how to fight for myself. I've never had someone run in and rescue me or fight for me, so I am trained and wired to go to war and to fight. If I see smoke, I run up the chimney. It's just how God's wired me. But to learn to put my fists down and simply say, God, the fight is yours. Lord, rebuke you. And let me tell you something. Out of all of the divisiveness I experienced as a pastor in the 18 years of ministry, I felt the arrows, none of them prevailed. I felt the arrows, but none of them prevailed. So what I want to tell you today, you will face people. The enemy has a special way of using Christians to hurt each other. You will face people who just want to hurt you. You will face people who are jealous of you. You will face people who want to distract you. You will face people who are just simply haters and do not like you. It's just part of it. It's part of the human heart. There's jealousy, there's envy, there's arrogance, there's pride. It's all in there and it comes out and we hurt each other. But here's what I want to tell you. Put your fists down and rely on God, the authority, because what people will say about you will not change what God has planned for you. What people say about you will not change what God has planned for you. So Michael, the the angel, saw Satan, and here they are disputing against the body of Moses. And instead of putting his uh, fist up, um, he said, yo mama, the Lord rebuke you. (laughs) I ain't wasting my, this is child's play. I'm not wasting my time with you. I'll let God take care of you. And God has a way to always expose the fake from the true. And so here's what happens in verse 10. Verse 10, watch this, and some of you leaders in here, this is great leadership, which is true in Scripture and is true today, says, but these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. Once again, if you're a leader in any organization, you will recognize when you move the organization into where you believe is going to be most profitable or healthier for the organization, you will always have people who don't agree with you. You will always have people who are going to speak against where you're taking them. You will always have people. Here's what I believe uh, in spiritual leadership. As a leader, I am a shepherd and shepherd are called to lead sheep. But today in churches, too many sheep are leading the shepherds. Because it's a lonely place to be when God has called you to leadership. But if you are hiding behind the authority and anointing of God, you need to expect that the way the enemy is going to try to discourage you are through the words of people. The way the enemy will try to discourage, if God has called any of you into any sort of leadership or any place of promotion, whether it's in school, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's here in the church, I can almost guarantee you that 
the enemy will try to discourage and distract you through the words of people. Why will he use the words of people? Because he will take an insecure and vulnerable person who wants to be in authority and who is not in authority. He will begin to work in the heart against the person who is in authority that God has placed in authority, which means if God has placed you in authority, only God can take you out of the authority. Not what people say and not what people do. If you are in a position that God has called you in, there is nothing anybody can do to remove you. All you have to do is be faithful and keep your hands clean and stay humble and submitted before God and you will receive his protection and his anointing. Now, so, but people are going to talk. They are going to talk about the way you do things. I always say, man, leadership is a painful privilege. It's so painful because sheep bite. They bite. It's a painful privilege. And why do they bite? Because in your organization or in the church leadership, this instance it's church leadership. In this verse 10, watch this. The leaders of the church made decisions. God placed the leaders, and this is not a, man, pastor may be walking through something right now because he sure is. This is me preaching strictly through the book of the Bible. I'm good. Kind of, but this is, but here's what happened. God put the leadership in the book of Jude in its proper seat. These people were submitted to God. Where do you want us to go? We're going to do it, God. It's all for you. We've seen you change lives. And then people came in the church and were just biting at their ankles and they were distracting. They were trying to hurt them and they, were, they didn't understand the fuller vision. So they thought, well, if I'm not part of the vision and I don't fully understand it, I'm going to reject it and I'm going to build a cohort that divides it. And so God was saying, why did they do this? Because they didn't fully understand. They didn't take the time to fully understand, nor did they want to. They wanted to get their way. And because they didn't get their way, they threw their toys. They threw a fit. They threw a fit because they didn't get their way. They had a hard time submitting to leadership, to God's leadership. And it says, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning, he calls them unreasoning animals. They went off their instinct on what they naturally felt versus knowing the entire truth. And understand instinctively. Then he says this, and we're, we're closed and we're landing the plane. Verse 11, he says, man, these people that are coming in churches, that are teachers, that are hurting the church, woe to them. And I want to share something with you today. There, he says that they are hard to detect because they creep in the church. They look like Christians, they talk like Christians, they smell like Christians. I don't know what they smell like, but it isn't. (laughs) He says, woe to them. Woe to them, and here's what they do. You ready? Let's unpack this, because I want you to be able to detect this. In this church or any other church you're ever a part of, I want you to be able to detect if you are, be careful who you follow. If you are following a leader that is causing division, I would urge you to, as your shepherd, as your pastor, from the scripture, be careful who you're following. Be careful. And here's what happens. Woe to them, is what Jude says, for they walked in the way of Cain. Let's break this down. Cain gave a sacrifice without a sacrificial heart. It was all religious activity. So what he is saying is there are going to pe- people are going to come in the church. They're going to be filled with religious activity. This is why it's going to be so hard to detect them because they're filled with religious activity. 
They look like super Christians. And they're going to have a bent towards them that seems like they're a little arrogant or they know more than everybody else, including the leadership. And they're going to be so filled with activity that you and I and Jude, they were going to be confused. Like, I don't understand how this person who's doing so much for God, even teaching God. These were teachers, by the way, who are teaching the word of God. And they have so much activity for God. How can they be bad people? So let's let the scripture unpack to figure out who these people are. Activity, they were filled with activity. Watch this. Their activity began to give them influence. Uh, these people typically um, are, are, are very sweet. They're passive aggressive. Uh, they know how to manipulate situations. They know how to create a cohort of people. They gain influence by the way they love people. By their religious activity, they gain influence and watch this and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. Who was Balaam? Balaam used his leadership and influence to lead a group of people astray. So Balaam now used the influence to lead astray. So here's what he's saying. These people will gain influence by their activity, by their religious activity. They're going to gain followers and influence. You'll be so enthralled by them. They're going to be so charismatic. They're going to be awesome. You're going to fall in love, but then here's what's going to happen. They're going to use their influence to lead people astray. It'll be very subtle. You won't be able to notice it. It'll be very subtle. By the time you look back, you're going to wonder how in the world did this happen? We became on the wrong side of the battle here. And then here, after he uses Balaam, he says, perish in Korah's rebellion. Korah rejected the authority that God put in place. Who was the authority? Aaron and Moses. So watch this. There's the unfolding of these kinds of people. They have religious activity in the church. Okay, whether you're visiting our church today or you're part of another church, you have to be careful no matter where you go to not fall into these kinds of group. Very seductive group that will really bring you in. Judas speaking, it's still true today, by their religious activity. I have, I have, you know, we all know that this is, this is going to be true. There are a lot of people teaching God's word who aren't living God's word. In our world today, there are a lot of people who are teaching God's word and not living God's word. And so he says they're going to have a lot of activity, not godly activity, but a lot of religious activity. This activity is going to bring a lot of people in. They're going to get influence like Balaam had influence. You're going to lead them astray. Astray to what? Lead a cohort to reject biblical authority. This is what's happening in this church here that Jude is writing to. And he's saying, be careful for these kinds of people. And I'm going to zoom through this because it's a lot of information. He says, these are hidden reefs at your love feast. Love feast, um, this is what they called their services. They would come in, they would sing, they would uh, do a message, and then they would sit down and have a potluck together. They would all eat together, and these people would come in with no conviction, no regard. They would come in, and they would eat, and they would eat up all the food, and they, would just, they were there for themselves. It was all about them, and he says they feasted without fear. They, they lost their fear of God. It's a dangerous place to be as a Christian when you have lost your fear of God. If you can live a, a life that's divisive, filled with sin, and you lose your fear of God, it's a dangerous, dangerous place because you lose your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's trying to teach you. And here's how you can um, know these people. They're shepherds feeding themselves. 
They're shepherds feeding themselves. These kinds of people, all they're concerned about is not where the organization or the church is going. They're just concerned about building their own kingdom and their cohort. And if they don't get it their way, then they cause division. So he's saying it's all about them. These kinds of people are the people um, that use their, their own gifting for their own kingdom. People will use—this blows my mind—people will use a gift that God has given you to build his kingdom, and people will use that same gift to build their own kingdom. Those are the kinds of people that chase the hand of God and not the heart of God. Those are the kinds of people that just want something from God, and they want to be an authority, and they love the attention. They love that it's all about them. They are shepherds feeding themselves, their own ego. These kinds of people build a following to fill their insecurity. They build a following to fill their own insecurity. He calls them waterless clouds. You know why he says waterless clouds? It's like when you see a cloud, you think rain is coming. It has a cloud has the promise of rain attached to it. He said these people are just clouds without water. They can't promise you anything. There's empty promises. They're swept along by the winds because they have no true foundation. They're fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Dead root, dead fruit. Dead root, dead fruit. Dead root, dead fruit. He said they're wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. He said they just, these kinds of people come in churches, and he uses this word waves, because waves create a lot of chaos, and at the end of the wave, it just kind of comes, there's just foam. And he says all they do is create a bunch of chaos, and then they just leave foam behind. He calls them wandering stars, which is a shooting star. And the reason why he calls them a shooting star, because these kinds of people come in churches and hop from church to church and gain influence from church to church. But he says they're like shooting stars. Why does he use the phrase shooting stars? Because these kinds of people don't have longevity. They're quick. But they draw an amazement to themselves. Just like a shooting star, when you see it, you're kind of amazed, but it happens so quickly. He says these people are just like that. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be swooed, but they're not going to last. And you'll see them jump from church to church to church, dividing, 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 saying, watch out for these kinds of people from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved for. Now, these are unbelieving people. Now, we're going to very quickly, two verses and we're done, this place of judgment. He says, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. Okay, to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. Now, listen to this. This is talking about judgment. Jude has a lot of sprinkles of judgment in here. So I want to break this apart very quickly. And for the sake of time, I want you to see this, what he is saying in verse 14. We're going to see several truths in verse 14. Behold, behold the Lord comes. There is absolute guarantee and promise that God is coming back. The Lord is coming. Promise number one in this text, the Lord is coming. He is going to come back. The Lord is coming. There is excitement and there is fear, depending on what side um, you sit on, but the Lord is coming. Promise number one. So what he's saying is, yes, these people are dividing the church. There are evil, there are unbelievers, but listen, the Lord is coming. He's coming with who? With ten thousands of his holy ones. Scholars believe this means uh, probably two, one of two things. Um, that the Lord is going to come back 
And there's going to be that day of judgment, and he's coming with ten thousands of holy ones. Who are his holy ones? Scholars saying it's either that, that God's going to come with a whole bunch of angels who are ready for the day of judgment, or scholars are going to come uh, with us as his holy ones to help with that judgment. I, I don't know uh, which one it is. I got to be honest. I, I don't know if I'm going to care. I'm just going to be happy that I'm on the team. <laughs> I, I got to be honest, you know, when people are like, well, which one is it? We got to know which one. I, I don't care. I'm just glad to be on the team. With 10,000 of his holy ones. Why he's going to bring 10,000 of his holy ones. Here's why. And this is so important. He's coming. He's coming with his holy ones. And he's going to execute judgment. Let me sit right there. A sobering reality that's not popular to talk about in church today. That he's going to execute judgment that God is going to come and execute judgment. That's bad news for a lot of people. He's going to execute judgment on who? On all, and to convict all the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? Those who are unbelieving and don't believe in the name of Jesus Christ, that he is not real, he is just this figure that's not true, so we live in an ungodly way that's not following God, of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that Ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Then he closes with this, and we can go home and watch a bunch of preseason games. <laughs> Who got excited like that? <laughs> it's really funny. All right, let's close on this. Um, be careful who you follow. Study the truth so you'll know the fake. The truth will set you free. And he calls these people, I'm the closing of verse 16, regardless of what they teach and, and who they say they are, he says, here's how you would know them. They are grumblers. These people are going to constantly grumble that it's not the way it's supposed to be, that it should be this way, this is what we should be doing. They will grumble. They're malcontent. They will never be happy with anything, never content. And, and, and scholars say that people who grumble are never, never content. It's really, um, it, it's really a shot at God to say that God is not sovereign, so we are going to grumble because we're not happy with what he's given us and exposes a heart of ungratefulness. And he says they follow their own sinful desires. Just, you know what, if I fill it, I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to fight it. And he says they are loud mouth boasters. They love to draw attention to themselves. They create a cohort and they draw attention to themselves. Why? The reason why these people are doing that in the church, they come in. He, these are false teachers he's talking about. These false teachers create a cohort. Once they have influence from religious activity, they begin to plant seeds of division in the church and people's minds. And then they begin to create a following with them. And their following begins to fight on their behalf. That's what's crazy. They fight on their behalf. Why? Because somewhere, an insecure leader got a lot of power and influence, and the, the most dangerous thing you can give an insecure leader is success, power, and influence. The most dangerous thing you can give an insecure leader is success, power, and influence. Why? Because they use it for their own advantage. 
And so, I am wise enough to understand and have been pastoring enough to understand that while this is true in Scripture, there's a reason why Jude, through the Holy Spirit, put this in here. And Jude is saying, protect the church. And here's what I would tell you today. The same thing Jude is telling them. It is more than okay, bride of Christ in this room, to stand on biblical truth and not have to apologize. It is more than okay, bride of Christ in this room, to protect the bride of Christ. It is a call for us to contend for the truth. Be careful, be careful, be careful who you follow. Be careful who you follow. Study the truth so you would know the fake. Study the truth so you would know the fake.